Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And welcome to the UK Film Review podcast. Um, this is a podcast based around East Asian cinema. And there's a lot to cover, a lot to cover, but we are doing our best to do as much as possible. Um, so I'd like to introduce my fellow critics that are with me today. So, Rachel. Hello. And Robert. Hi. And I'm Alicia. Um, so, East Asian cinema, how are we all feeling about it? What kind of things do you enjoy? Is there any genres that you feel like uh, this particular demographic of cinema catches your attention? Well, for me, uh, I wouldn't really say that there's one like particular like demographic or genre. Um, I, I mean, I think that like stuff that's darker and more you know dramatic is more appealing to me than like any like you know uh comedies that like typically come out of like south korea or japan um but for me so for me it's it's more like it i i guess if i had to pinpoint it it would be stuff that's drama but even then there's like a wide variety like you know like i love you know Asian horror, I love um, Asian like action, I love Asian drama, love Asian crime thrillers. Um, I think all the, I think no matter what genre is, most likely if I'm watching it, I'm probably picking one that's like a very good example of that genre. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with that. And I think that a lot of um, comedies and stuff, they have a different kind of sense of humour to us as well so it's obviously you know you can still find hilarity in it but I I think there is a a clash there as well what about you Rachel I am only here for the misery and the bleakness (laughs) of the horror that comes out I've watched so many East Asian horrors that I genuinely believe 
that that's all that happens over there. I just think that everyone is afraid of ghosts. I have, <laughs> I've not seen anything outside. No, I have, but I, yeah, I'm here for the horror, man. I'm filled for that. I want to see small children come out of wells and kill us all. Yes. That's what I want to see. I'm into that, that you know? Exactly. Yeah. I don't think anything else happens in Japan. Absolutely nothing else. Nothing just else. children and just whales. Just children coming out of wells and people being suspicious of their televisions or old houses. But that's that's an awesome way to live regardless. <laughs> is that a house? Is that a well? I don't know. I can't trust anything because all I've done is watch The Ring <laughs> since like 1998. <laughs> but, you know, the more curiosity that you can bring into your life the more interesting it is this is true this is true also I think to myself because we you know obviously watching a lot of the horror I watched The Ring recently and I wrote some reviews for it for a hashtag throwback Thursday on UK film review everyone yeah let's get some of that in our lives oh yeah and I was like who is still manufacturing wells to the point where this franchise got three films out of it there ain't wells anymore in the world <laughs> So, you know, where's, yeah, you know, yeah. Samara's just down in a well. I don't even think they exist anymore. It's an antiquated way in which for us to get water. Too many. Yeah. Too many wells. That's and my only you... problem with all of Japanese horror. I don't believe that wells still exist. If they're just like wells within a meter of each other. Yeah. They're everywhere. We're li- Jap- Japan is littered with wells, it seems, if you ever only ever watch The Ring. Yes. Just everywhere there is loads of wells. Yep. And um, this, this is why people just keep falling in because yep. they're a meter within each other. But speaking of the ring, this is your specialty. I am. I'm full of love for the ring. Now, I will say, actually, talking of horror, obviously, because I write a lot about the horror on UK Film Review and, and stuff like that. The Ring is one of the very few films um, when I watched it uh, that actually genuinely scared me. And it got me into, let's be trendy, everyone. Let's refer to it as what we know it as, J-horror. Oh, yeah, I said that. Let's be trendy. Oh, yes. Oh, J-horror. Yeah. So I was. I remember watching, I'm, I'm, I make myself angry because I saw the remake first. Oh, dreadful. And that film was genuinely terrifying. And that obviously opened the door to watching The Grudge, which um, comes from Juan. And you've got things like um, Shutter and all of those films. And I will say this, man, those films are genuinely terrifying. Not a lot scares me. But when I was, oh, I must have been, how old was I? 16, 17. Watching that little girl come out of the TV, I was like, what is happening? (laughs) This is insane. terrifying. It's absolutely insane. And the way in which J-horror manifests itself, the way they make the the enemy if you will the movements they love to have that very sort of jagged movement of like when yeah. the girl comes down the stairs in the grudge like her body is all like you Ooh. know yeah confused and then when samara comes out the ring yo she's done some yoga she's moving her limbs you know <laughs> and it's like damn man and then watching uh shutter when she's um she crawls along the side of the car and it's all this very, I can't even describe the way they move their bodies. It's so like kind of, it's almost like they've done like stop animation on it. That kind of really juttery, 
Yeah, man, that's it's terrifying. Mad. It is mad and it's terrifying. And uh, yeah, as soon as I fell into that well, oh my God, as soon as I fell into <laughs> that, you know, I was like, whoa. And and they're just, man, they're so on it. They know how to terrify you. J-Horror, I must say, come out with some absolutely amazing storylines, really fantastic. Uh, I mean, the French are great for gore and being brutal, but the Japanese, man, they scare you to their core. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, what I, about I have you, to Humphrey? admit. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, yeah, I can't like so 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 I like J Horror as well. You know, from what I've seen of them, uh, I haven't seen a lot of them, but I've seen I've, I've I've seen a couple of the ones that you're talking about, Rachel. But weirdly, what I find scarier are the um, kind of are the more are the ones that are more crime centric because they focus on in some ways more like realistic threats like a psychopath going around and murdering people and like cutting up their bodies and stuff and that's kind of and that's partially what made um uh i saw the devil so impactful because i thought to myself like you know this is on the one hand this is kind of exploring a topic that we've seen a lot in movies and you know even in like you know south korean films and all kinds of foreign films you know about like the this unstoppable serial killer but we're kind of it's it's looking at it like from the lens of a person who had lost a loved one to that killer and then we're seeing like you know how that crime and the other crimes just unravel unravel him basically yeah yeah definitely I saw the devil its 10th anniversary was last year and I you know a lot of people were re-watching it last year but I watch it all the time I am not phased by much it's more you know the supernatural kind of elements I oh, I love I saw the devil it is I read an article recently um it was a website called what sleeps beneath and they said it combines hyperviolence with a cinematic poetry that is difficult to equal. And I thought that was perfect. I agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's definitely. Go ahead. I was going to say this. Like that made me think about something. That when you have the um, the opening scene with the snow, and it just all looks so beautiful. You know the way it's shot. These big wide shots and landscape and all that jazz, and it all just looks so beautiful. But Yo, we're just murdering some people, man, you know? <laughs> it's, it's bleak and beautiful yeah, all at the same exactly. time. The cinematography for I Saw the Devil is really smooth, which mm. completely contrasts with what's actually going on because every, the actual storyline is really gritty and jagged, but all the cinematography is so sleek. Yeah, until up until like the third act. In the third act, they more extensively use like handheld camera work, but even that like yeah. works brilliantly. Yeah, it's just such a beautiful film and you just feel so sort of like for a film, as you know, as Robert said, up until the third act, for a film where you, um, it seems so wide and so open and so stunning of visuals and stuff like that, you still feel very connected and claustrophobic with the characters. You know, you feel that intensity. And um, obviously the massive theme of a lot of East Asian cinema, revenge. We need revenge. Yes. (laughs) They love a revenge film. And I think that, you know, I Saw the Devil is, is... the epitome of that but it, when I was kind of like yourself doing some research about it prior to this podcast it's like a revenge story and I was like hang on a minute 
isn't most of the films that go under the <laughs> horror crime dra- drama I can talk drama genre of uh of, you know of this form of cinema revenge they they just love revenge it's just like I mean it's everywhere let's all just do I feel like we're lacking in revenge in this in this country let's do some more revenge flicks my god yeah no, I know I, mean, I, I personally think that like that kind of genre was popular at one point like you know the 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 revenge action movie or like the revenge vigilante movie was like kind of popular after like you know death wish and you know like and and a whole bunch of other movies that were kind of that that same like premise of like you know a person who's been wronged and then they go out for revenge you know but at the same time though um i don't think it's as popular now as it once was I think they milked yeah, that yeah, to I death agree. with the old Vengeance trilogy and like Old Boy got really popular, didn't it? Like Old Boy was one of those sort of like cult classics mm-hmm. for a while and then they remade it, of course. And, you know, so there was all of that. That really, really kind of probably oversaturated it and Hollywood were like, ah, oh, yeah, we've uh, we've beat that that dead horse. Let's move on to the next thing now. And I think there's only so many, you know, good revenge films that you can make because of how brilliant the the vengeance trilogy actually is it's so perfect even though you know it's you class them as a trilogy but they don't actually cross over each other you know they're they're not the same characters it's not the same storyline they just carry the same kind of revenge violence salvation storyline but just not you know crossing paths yeah, it's more like a, in an artistic term, it's more like a triptych, you know, we're looking at, you know, just one subject in three different manners. Also, I think to myself, like, these people invest a lot of time in revenge, you know, like, I've got other things to do. Yeah. I mean, I might really hate someone, but I have other <laughs> things to do, you know, like, in Lady Vengeance, she's in prison, and then she's like, yeah, prison was lame, but I'm going to get out and then I'm going to almost put myself into my own mental prison of getting revenge, spoiler alert, on the guy who actually did the crimes, you know? And and it's like, man, these people need to have some healing, you know? But that wouldn't make for a good storyline yeah. with it, you know? But And the thing is with, and I saw The Devil, unfortunately, it is a great film, but because I'd seen so much revenge cinema, if you will, from East Asia that I I even found the ending quite predictable. You know, you kind of do find certain aspects of that film predictable because of, as Robert was saying, at that time frame, there was such a huge amount of it going on. You know, the storylines do kind of, unfortunately, you see it coming, you know, and that's a, that's a shame. But as a standalone film, yeah, it's good. Let's love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's weird because, like, because I mean, before I feel, I like before I watched it, I already knew how it would end. I knew, I knew about the very ending of the film, but I didn't know about all of the stuff leading up to it. Um, so that made, so that meant that, like, although I kind of knew the sort of basics of like how it would conclude, I didn't really know how we would get to that point. And the way, and I have to say, it is a very, very unpredictable movie. Like, it is probably. I would say it's probably the most one of the most like unpredictable movies I've ever seen, just because like it in each act it completely changes what it's about. Like because and you know and for and, it, and for, so for anybody who hasn't seen it, the way it starts is very different to the way it continues and it concludes. Like it begins in a sort of typical fashion, and then the second and third acts both include sort of a change in power dynamics 
Um, I mean, should, should should we spoil the film or? Yeah, or ruin not? it, ruin it. Hmm. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Right. So it. So so. Spoiler alert. Uh, it goes from a detective hunting a serial killer to a detective basically uh, performing this experiment and also this act of like revenge on this serial killer where he basically puts this killer in several positions uh, just in order to cause him pain and suffering, uh, draw out the pain and suffering, and also manipulate him and get the drop on him. Then, in the third act, the killer turns the tables completely. And and so, as a result, it's basically a film that kind of says, like, you know, like, like one of the, like, lessons it gives on revenge is, like, don't be sadistic, because otherwise you'll just give this person that you hate the opportunity to screw you over further. Like, that's one of the many lessons that it gives. And it's so smoothly done as well. It's not... Um... I probably wouldn't say like confusing or anything, but it's it's so you can pinpoint like everything you just explained. You can pinpoint it so easily because mm-hmm. it's just beautifully laid out all the way through. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is excellently structured. Like it does, it does have a really like strong, good free act structure to it, and you know that's made and it's made even better by the fact that like despite being very long, it doesn't like it. It doesn't really drag in terms of pacing. Like there aren't any major scenes that you could like remove easily or anything yeah exactly which is probably a good transition then for um the same director that directed i saw the devil um then moved well before i saw the devil i think it was like 2003 a tale of two sisters that is Woo! quite long i'm pretty sure <laughs> that I'm, movie kicks no, it. I'm, only saying, I'm not sure if it's quite long. You'd have to correct me on this because that terrified me so much that I paused it too many times. <laughs> so I don't know if it's actually long. Is it two long? hours? I just googled it because I'm a multitasking computer machine right now. Yeah, it's two hours long. <laughs> yeah, and I swear to God as well. I mean, when I was doing some research and watching, catching up on the old East Asian films, a lot of them are like two hours plus. And I'm like, I don't have that much time in my day. But um, yeah, Taylor Two Sisters. <laughs> I mean, this is the tea with that man. Like, I was—I remember so vividly. I was in my flat, and my pal came over, and she's like, "Yo, we're gonna watch this film because nothing scares you." I was like, "Yeah, bring it on, whatever." And that scene—if no one's seen it—like um, this little girl, she's in bed, yeah, and then like this air quote like ghost or kind of like vision of her mother crawls out from the side of her like vision of the bedpost. That is jacked up horror man right there that was like terrifying i was like oh man and, and i vividly yeah and you just if a, if a scene sticks in your head so vividly like that scene stuck in my head you're onto a winner do you know what i mean that's it yeah, when, you, when you're like when you lay in bed that night and you think like come on dead mother of those children please don't crawl out from the side of my bed you've made an impact you know <laughs> like after yeah. i saw the ring i was like i don't trust static on the telly and I don't trust the edges of oh, my yes. bed. <laughs> oh, man. Like, didn't anyone else? Yeah. Didn't anyone else get that? Like, if they seen the ring and then you saw the static on the TV, you're like, not today, Samara. Click. And you just turn you it off. You feel yourself feeling nervous. You're like, oh, oh, no. Okay. What's going to happen now? She ain't coming to get me. If she came out my TV, oh, oh, I ain't standing for that. I'd be mad as hell. 
Yeah, so a, a university I actually wrote like an essay on that film as well, and um, like very recently, and like um, I kind of talked about like the way that that film would have like you know, uh, would like burrow itself into like the viewer's subconscious and have an effect on them after they've seen it. Um, and I definitely think that it had more of an impact at the time than it would now because because you know back then like you know it's more popular to like watch videotapes or VHS, like, like VHS tapes and, you know, other TV related things. Whereas, you know, like nowadays it's more common to like, even if you watch TV, it's more common to like, you know, use like, um, you know, DVDs or Blu-rays and stuff like that, which don't produce the same like static image. Yeah. It kind of played into what they were used to. Do you think if Samara existed now, she'd upgrade? She'd be on like Blu-ray, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Is she imprinting her mind sadness onto a Blu-ray DVD, popping it into, not even HMV exists now, popping it into an Amazon warehouse. You think you're ordering the Care Bears mm-hmm. movie. You just got the ring. <laughs> Boom. She's in there. She's yeah, in your life. unmarked DVD. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then she's like, you know, you're like, oh yeah, Lord of the Rings, extended edition, 50,000 hours. Can't wait to watch it. Bam. Lord of the, then you've just got the ring. It's not Lord of the Rings. It's the ring. She's got you. 4HK. That edition. scared me nice. <laughs> You're just on Amazon really yeah. wary now of what you order. She's in there. She's working for yeah. Amazon warehouses. That's what she's doing. She's upgraded. No more DVDs from Amazon. <laughs> Definitely not any more DVDs from Amazon. We can't trust There's Amazon. There's absolutely no way. Samara's there. Isn't um there was a uh, spin-off of that, wasn't there, where it was Samara versus the girl from The Grudge. And I cannot remember because they've got different names um, in the originals versus the remake. And I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to pronounce them. I know that Samara is Sad- Saduko or Sadike or something. I, I'm not even going to try. I'm stopping now. And um, they did Kyoko a film. Yes, Robert in there with the good pronunciation. Thank you. Um, well, you can be my travel buddy. We're going to Japan, go to Mario Land. But um, she, uh, yeah, they did a film where they fight each other. And I was like, this is so iconic. I'm not even going to watch it. Like, I didn't see it in the end. But it just looked like Mortal Kombat versus, you know, just with them two, like, fighting by a well somewhere. I don't know if either of you two have seen it. Have you seen it, Robert? No, I want to. I want to in the hopes that it's like watching, um, like, I don't know, if <laughs> just, just some street fight. Yeah, that's what I want. Like, when I watched the trailer, it looked like that it was like Street Fighter, but with the two girls from The Grudge and The Ring, just in their little white 90s, going at it in a field somewhere. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I'd, even if, like, if there is no, you know, Street Fight footage, I'm going to have to make it. I'm going to have to make the film. I want to see it, man. It... I'm just Googling it now. It came out in 2016 and it did quite well at the box office for a film that's clearly going to be garbage. Good for you. Let's get, we should, (laughs) we should just quit this now. Everyone going to go and watch this and then watch them fight in their little nightgowns. That's another thing as well, which I don't understand about their horror thing. Like, and I will say this and cause obviously if let's talk about like a, a westernized horror franchise, something like Nightmare on Elm Street, it got really hammy in the end and it didn't become scary. Same with Friday the 13th and Jason. It got hammy. It wasn't scary. And you'd just be like, yeah, kind of whatever, the slasher, the teens, the sexy teens, blah, 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 blah. And it became really predictable. But no matter how many times, like, J-Horror and obviously East Asian cinema played with that, like, girl in the nightdress, ghost, even Taylor Two Sisters, you know, the ghostly mother feelings and stuff like that, it never got 
like old I was still always scared of the the yeah. the creature if you will even though it had been played out on many different platforms and many different variants they still managed to have the you know the time and the energy and the dedication to create the you know the character so well that you're like oh yeah it's just another girl in her nightie with long black hair but I'm absolutely terrified and that's that gives that gives credit to the the ghostly kind of you know horror story that that um J horror really kind of thrives on yeah definitely like a tale of two sisters it absolutely scared me just like absolutely terrified me and I was kind of sitting looking in the dark for a few nights being like okay am I gonna die is this is this the night I die um, what's the scene that, where she's like under the t- the kitchen table or something like that I can't remember oh, oh yeah no, that terrified me yeah That's that so, uh, I, oh. that was good wasn't I, it? I never jump <laughs> I don't I don't like you know jump when I get scared but I I jump so much that I accidentally paused it and then just kind of went okay I'm safe now okay it, that film is half an hour is incredible and again as we said uh, there was that phase where the americans absolutely just jumped on remaking a lot of like east asian cinema and i don't know robert you've not seen taylor's two sisters have you no i haven't you lucky lucky man who can sleep safe at night well they remade it and it was called (laughs) the uninvited i don't know if you saw the uninvited yeah yeah well i heard of it do you know what? I mean, it weren't the best, but it also isn't the worst of the Hollywood remakes of Asian cinema. I will say that. What, 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 what would you consider to be like the worst? The Ring 2 and 3. <laughs> it's just utter garbage. <laughs> it's just utter dreadful garbage. I got so frustrated right, with that because they didn't even bother anymore. They were just like, The Ring... She the tape, and Samara wants to get in on their action, wants to be part of their family, and then the ring two and three is just it's almost the same presence. Annoying girl, run away from the tape, find the backstory of Samara, who was she abused by as a child, blah blah blah. I was just like, oh whatever, I don't care anymore. She got lobbed down a well, her mum didn't like her, she got special telekinetic powers for the videotape, the end. But they dragged that out <laughs> for three movies. And in the third one, where it's like the priest, and he stabbed his eyes out so he couldn't see Samara. That was the only thing I liked. I was like, well done, mate. That's how you defeat her. Stab your eyes out. You can't get away from TV, but you can get away from your own eyes. And that's what he done. Oh, yes. It's, but I honestly, for the worst part of remakes, old boy, um, I pretend that that remake doesn't exist because yes, it is so no, I just awful. I've never seen it, but it came up on Netflix, and you know Netflix has the background picture, and he's like wearing kind of like Mission Impossible sunglasses, and he was getting out of a suitcase what? on a desert scene. I was like, not even watching it. You can't rope me in like that, Netflix. That looks like garbage. Have you seen it? I seen probably about 20 minutes and went, you know what? I'm going to throw up. I can't bear this anymore. I'm living. Robert, have you seen the yeah, remake? I, so so I, I've, I've only seen, um, so in terms of both of the old boys, uh, I've only seen uh, YMS's um, double review. Uh, he's like this uh, internet critic and he basically reviewed both of them like side by side and did like comparisons. And it was, it's like a feature length video, but it's very, it's very detailed going in, going through 
eat like both of the films step by step and all it convinced me was wow i really need to see old boy and also i don't need to see the remake because it seems really terrible it yeah, yeah. uh definitely. even yeah i'm fortunate given the talent involved but it just it just seems like it didn't end up working i just googled it it got a it's got a 39 percent rating on rotten tomatoes and a five out of ten on imdb for old boy the remake get some <laughs> i honestly think it shouldn't exist it shouldn't exist it should have been wiped off the face of the earth empire have given it three out of five empire are being generous and it's a 67 percent liked film by google users wow wow Stop are we watching it. the same film there yeah apparently <laughs> and uh yeah i've not seen it but i just when i saw those mission impossible wraparound sunglasses on his face i checked out but the original is perfect this is what i'm saying i'm thinking like i feel like when i saw i mean i'm being really terrible by being judgmental of looking at a movie poster and, and that's not what we should do let's not judge a book by its cover but let's do it in this case and the thing is with old boy the original which which really kind of like makes it i feel kind of appealing is he's not young and fit he's not like buff and superhero looking he's just this old dude literally and when i saw this kind of like jason statham looking guy on the remake poster you know the shaved head and and the suit and he looks like he's been in the gym i was like isn't that almost like the essence of what the original wasn't you know yes exactly it's the complete opposite of a guy that's been you know locked in a hotel room like just basically getting hardly any food and he's been stuck in there planning how he's going to at least try to carry out his revenge. He's not, you know, I'm going to work out every single day. <laughs> yeah, he's just, just getting buff. To- just getting buff so I can, you know. Punch someone in the face. Was that the first 20 minutes of the old boy film that you watched? Was it just him working out in a hotel <laughs> for 20 minutes? <laughs> Honestly, I cannot remember anymore because I think I just erased it from my mind. I, I I cannot remember. I I remember where it stopped, but it wouldn't surprise me if what I watched was him working out. It, you it just, just yeah, it's just him on YouTube doing workout routines. That's the film. <laughs> Done. Yes. But a lot of people find um, Old Boy really disturbing, and then they kind of never want to associate with it again. But I like the fact that it's really disturbing because it's different. I think 17-year-old me found, oh boy, the original one, disturbing. Um, I think if I watched it now, I'd just be like, eh, whatever, do you know what I mean? But um, old boy's one where he cuts his tongue out, isn't it? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Oh, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> it's Asian horror. Someone's cutting their tongue out. I feel like that happens a lot in horror movies now. That's kind of like a trope. But um yeah, when I watched it the first time round, as a younger viewer, I, it definitely disturbed me then. I, I think the part of the original Old Boy that really stuck with me, that I feel like the whole film summarises his his trauma and his suffering, is when he has to um, keep eating all the dumplings to try and find what dumplings were the ones that they got for him. And he's so disgusted oh, yeah. by them. And he's so sick to death of them because that's all he's eaten for so many years that every time he eats them, he's like puking up in the alleyway. And he's so like, he finds them so repugnant. And that really made, that kind of made the suffering that he went through in that that hotel room really hit home. 
Yeah. It and was, I don't know it why. It's so true. <laughs> it was it made it kind of just in that short space of time, it so many emotions were expressed through such a, a simple action that it kind of you realize that it was so out of order. So it kind of hits home of all the trauma that he'd been through, even though it was just a, you know, a simple scene. I think it also, I kind of think it kind of summarizes the, the, you know, taking away his freedom because, you know, we obviously take for granted eating whatever we want every day and tra la 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 and all those other, those fiddly little things. But to have the simplest thing, like what you're going to eat every day dictated to you for 15 years, I think that's probably because everyone can relate to that. It hits home. Like, do you know what I mean? If he missed going bowling, but you weren't a bowler, you wouldn't care. But you do relate to the fact that he has to eat the same thing every day. And I think that that's probably why that scene's so iconic and, and everything. Also, you know, I love the fact that when they released Old Boy, they did a special edition version in the purple gift box that they use at the end. I don't know if anyone remembers 2003 oh, buying yeah. limited edition DVDs. <laughs> yeah. And that was how it came. It came in the purple um, box that they give to his daughter. You know, that scene. Yeah, you could buy that. I remember seeing it. HM oh, yeah. Beam. Yeah, I was like, man, I want that. I want that. <laughs> I was poor, though. I didn't buy it. <laughs> That'd probably be the same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Robert? How do you feel about the Vengeance trilogy? Well, uh, so I haven't seen any of them. Uh, I've got them lined up to watch, but uh, I haven't watched them yet. Um, in terms of the Park Chan-wook films that I have seen, um, the ones that I've seen, surprisingly enough, on quite as dark as his vengeance trilogy like i've seen um i've seen uh i'm a cyborg but that's okay and the handmaiden uh both of which you know definitely aren't your average movies and are and do deal with like serious subject matter but overall they aren't quite as like dark or nihilistic um particularly like the handmaiden which kind of in many respects weirdly enough is almost like i, I know it's based on like a on like a, a a novel that's set in the Victorian era, but what that almost feel felt like to me was like an updated Korean, very classy and and very good version of like a nineties erotic thriller. That's what mm, it basically. Yeah. That's what The Handmaiden basically reminded me of, weirdly enough. And so in that sense, it kind of so that made it stand out. And the fact that it was a really really good version of one of those films made it even better. I feel. Yeah, it's really stylish. No, it absolutely is, and it's got it's got really like strong. It's got two very strong like lead female characters. Um, the relationship that they have throughout the film uh, blossoms into something like 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 d- d- despite some of the graphic like sexual content in the film, it does blossom into something quite sweet and heartwarming at the end. Um, especially when they could have kept to that like kind of dark tone that like Park Chan-wook likes to do in a lot of his films and does in this film, but he manages to give it a surprisingly like happy conclusion in the end. Which I definitely wasn't expecting because I was expecting it to keep that kind of um, quite dark and erotic theme. So I was quite surprised to kind of go a little bit, aw, at the end. And I kind of caught myself going, wait, wait, hold on. Did I just, did I just feel my heart go soft? a film that is like this but it's yeah nice- no and, and one of the like heartwarming moments at the end is like graphic sexual stuff but it's like given the context of what they're doing and given 
what it, what that's a reference to earlier in the film it is quite nice yeah. and it's also kind of like it, it's it, it and, and also the film overall just kind of takes you on like a ride all throughout like it kind of says okay this is what's happening and then it twists you to kind of it says like oh no no, no. when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Let's go back in time and then let's see these same events, but from like a different perspective. And that different perspective changes what you know about these events. And then once you kind of, like once the movie's done twisting and turning, it then kind of is, is is kind of telling a story about you know like two different people who were formerly enemies kind of realizing that they are both in love you know with each other and yeah it does and it kind of overall like it kind of then means that um it then results in a film that like starts and ends in two completely different places yeah yeah i do, it's very I don't know it's it's quite a even though you can't make connections to a lot of different styles of film it seems to still stand by itself which probably is what makes it so appealing because it Mm -hmm. has loads of different you know you were saying about perspectives and stuff you learn so much about the characters but the scenes are actually quite I'm not sure if you know simple is the right word but they're I'm not sure they're quite compact and there's not really that much going on. You know, there's no extravagant, you know, fight scenes or anything. It's just very on the low. But you still, because of these different, you know, switches and everything, you get to know all these different characters from the perspective of other people that are acting in these um, in these different situations, which definitely makes it stand out for me. Mm-hmm. What about you, Rachel? Yeah, I've not seen it, but uh, I, you know, seen like snippets on other like you know people on YouTube reviews talking about it, and I, it's on my to, it's on my to watch list because I find it's, from what I gather, it's a man trying to steal a rich woman's money. Is that the right film I'm talking about here? Pretty much living for that, and I kind of was like, yeah, I want to watch that because we focus so much on the gold digger, but yo, man, men are gold diggers too. Come get that lady's money. So I'm interested into to definitely diving into that gem. I love watching a man steal a rich woman's money. That seems like fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good change. It's a good twist from the you yeah. know female gold digger storyline. Yeah, line. the Black Widow storyline's been super played out. You know and that's cool but men want money too men want luxury handbags and fine cigars let's not just leave it for the ladies exactly yeah and speaking of money that could probably swiftly move us on to parasite 
nice segue then. I liked that. Well, I'm quite proud of myself for that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, a glamorous and, uh, you know, very rich front uh, for half of the characters in Parasite. And then the other half is the focus, which is the lower class, I suppose. How are we feeling about Parasite? Yeah, uh, I, I really liked it. It's iconic, man. It's absolutely iconic. I think the biggest thing, and, I, and I'm sure many a film critic have pointed it out in Parasite, is the poor people live at the bottom of the hill. Like, that is such a thing throughout the film that no one ever, you know, openly expresses. But they live at the bottom of the hill, you know? Yeah, small details like that. Yep. Just... And then the trudging up the hill every day and then the flood, obviously, because all yeah. the water goes down and then, you know, floods the sewage system, which ruins their house. And it's, you know, the the more they climb down those steps, the more they go back towards home, the more cramped and the more sort of like overhanging everything becomes and the more bustling and dirty it becomes. And it's like the hill was almost like their, you know, their daily descent back into the misery of of their unfortunate poverty you know and I love that yeah, I love that definitely. but when you watch that movie and you just see that hill and then when it gets to their house it's all opened up and wide and green and beautiful and there's their their beautiful house and all that stuff but yeah Parasite is Parasite is depressing but it's also kind of funny I love its humor yeah yeah definitely yeah and, that, and that's a kind of a common thing yeah yeah when she forges the documents the sister and they're, they're making jokes about how good she is at that kind of thing and stuff. And, and the whole, oh, yeah. the bit where he thinks the, I think it's a self-portrait and he thinks it's a baboon or something, or it's the other way around. It's just those little subtle kind of, you know, East Asia has a really kind of fantastic way of inserting that dry wit and humor into their films sometimes. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And I think Parasite really does that well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like it. Liked it as well. Um, I think the main thing that stuck with me was like, you know, again, the whole the, cl- the whole class warfare angle uh, and how the film didn't really, it didn't really like pick a side. It just sort of like showed a conflict and kind mm. of didn't, it, and prevented you from being able to very easily choose like the poor or the rich family because, I mean, you, you could see the poor family as the heroes, but they do, they arguably do much worse. It, like they, 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 they arguably like do, far worse than the rich family but there's also something that you can easily root for about the poor family that you can't root for about the the rich family um and i think it's probably like the perfect um simple distillation of the themes that bong joon ho has kind of always explored in his career but i think that this one in particular was like the most like definitive simple um, easy, easy to digest, not subtle, and very focused on version of that of those themes. I yeah, think, definitely. yeah, I think that it's such a good point you made, Rob. And I never thought about it till you just said that. So you know, kudos to you. But it's like you don't hate mm-hmm. the rich family. You don't. <laughs> you're welcome. Compliments. You don't hate the rich family. You don't hate the poor family. The rich family sometimes at points because the mother is so kind of. I wouldn't say she's stupid, but she's kind of like, I don't know, gullible or something like that. You kind of, yeah, you kind of, you kind of pity how not clued into the real world she is. And then in the same way, you then pity the other family because they're impoverished. But 
you know, both families have good values with each other. They've both got, you know, relatively good marriages, relatively good relationships with their children. So there's almost like no different in the way that they are interacting with each other. It's just one live in a big house and one live at the bottom of the hill in this weird underground flat house. So it's, you know, there is no difference by the way we as humans act. It's just what makes our bank account is what makes us live differently. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, but it's it's interesting and it's definitely like it's not it's not outright empathetic, but it's definitely um a bit more uh what is it? It's 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 definitely a bit more um sympathetic than something like Snowpiercer, which takes those same like class warfare angles and turns it into more of a like kind of action good versus evil narrative, you know? Because mm. no, I, I mean, I, I, I obviously Snowpiercer is an English language film starring a mostly like, you know, um, American, European cast. But I mean, Bong Joon-ho still made it and largely it was still, I can't remember, I think that it was still a mostly independent production. I don't think it was like made by like a Hollywood studio. I don't think it was created by Hollywood studio. I don't think, was it? Oh, 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 I'm just Googling it. Blah, 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 blah. Screenplay story, it doesn't say. It doesn't say here. I can't get it up. But, um, yeah, it doesn't say. Just says English, Korean, French, and Japanese. How exciting. I've never heard of this film. A future where failed climate change experiment has killed all of life. That sounds like fun. Once again, another cheery mm. film for us all to enjoy. It's just so sad. And I think I think that's something that um, Parasite kind of, yeah, it seems like it's going to be really bleak, but I didn't find it that bleak of a film. It was more like learning something from it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, the funny thing is, is that, yeah, I learned the other, I was watching something about the other day and about obviously how, you know, lots of areas of East Asia are very highly populated, but also very, very expensive to live in. And they have these things called coffin apartments, where you literally live in the space that's the size of a car parking space. So they'll buy a flat in a complex, they'll divide it up, and you literally live in a like a car parking space size area. And um, so when I was watching, I rewatched Parasite, you know, recently to talk about it here. And after seeing that documentary, you really do have that kind of like, yeah, we're watching it from a, a westernized outside perspective, but it is there are places where it is that densely populated. Everyone's in these tiny apartments crammed on top of each other, you know, not unlike England is becoming a, in some places. And it's just, yeah, it really hits home. Like how, if you were in that position, how much, how far would you go to get out of it? You know, and I think that's what Parasite raises as a question, because, yes, we could sit around and say all the things that the family do to infiltrate the rich family is bad. But, you know, poverty breeds desperation. And what would you do to get out of living like that? And what's with the toilet being so high up? It really bugs me when I watch that movie in the in the apartment low down. The toilet's really high by a window. And I'm just like, what kind of bathroom setup is this? It's brilliant. I love it. I've never actually thought about that before. I'm just realizing now how weird that is. It is weird. The toilet is on like a high level because there's the bit where they're trying to get the Wi-Fi in the beginning. But then there's the, the street level window right at the level of the toilet. Yeah. It it blows my mind when I watch it. I'm like, why is your toilet like that? But yeah, I think I think that is probably one of the biggest takeaways of Parasite is, is you know, how far would you go to help your family survive and give them a better life? You know, that is the question. Yeah, especially when that 
that opportunity's presented to you how it's far given you to them on a to plate isn't it, it as well yeah but then but speaking you know it it got three oscar wins first foreign language film to win best picture and i am so happy that it did but obviously still quite upset that it was the first in what what well, was that the 2020 oscars or 2019 2020 yeah it was the 2020 oscars that's wow. a very long time that's crazy very long there's time. The, uh, the 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 artist technically is a French film, but it doesn't have any like foreign and any French dialogue, so it's kind of, so that kind of was the first, but not fully. Yeah, yeah, and then the they just brought up a whole lot of you know subtitle. I don't want to watch these films. I don't have to want to read and watch it at the same time. But that makes me big, that makes me so films. mad. Like. There yeah. are genuinely people in the world who are like, oh, man, I won't watch subtitles. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, man? Like, like, why does that seem hard to people? Obviously, I can understand if you're like maybe dyslexic or, you know, or whatever the issue is. That, that, that's that's applicable. That's understandable because reading is universally a challenge for some people. And that's understandable. But for the average Joe where you're like, yeah, yo, reading, whatever. You're reading on your phone, which they're probably scrolling through when they're watching a movie that they can hear anyway. So what's the difference? Like, and and people shut down so much um, foreign film because of that one tiny thing. And and I feel like shaking them out of their complacency, going, "Yo, you're missing out on some some real gems in in cinema because you can't be bothered to read for an hour and a half, dude. Like, come on, man. Let's get some. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, it, there's iconic films. Memories of Murder is definitely the, one of the iconic ones. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I, I actually kind of slightly prefer a couple of Bong's uh, earlier films to his later ones. Um, not, not that I necessarily think that they're, like, objectively better. I just kind of pre- find myself preferring them a little bit, like, to get, like... Um, yeah, like like Memories of Murder is probably my favorite of his films. Um, I just rem- remember it being a really, really like <clears throat> an extremely like sad movie and a very dark one. Even though there's not a lot of like on screen violence, uh, the nature of the crime that's being like kind of the, the of the crimes that these like police people are trying to stop is just so like brutal and horrific. And although there is definitely like humor to like kind of slightly alleviate it you know it's still showing how these these detectives are just kind of losing their minds and you know just kind of going like kind of going downhill morally and being a bit traumatized by what they're seeing and um i think it's and it's definitely made especially strong by the uh, brilliant conclusion as well like that like i would say that like the last 20 minutes of that film is like sublime you know it's brilliant and because it kind of it not only shows the final end result of uh, one of these detectives going on this kind of downward spiral, but also you know this kind of epilogue that shows like years later what happens. And the the only unfortunate annoying thing is that the final scene is based on something that if you get like given how the film was the the the, the film is based on like basically a true series of murders, and yeah. the final scene is based on an acknowledgement that the killer is watching. Yes, yeah. But they found out later on that the person who did the murders was already in prison, like, for a different crime. Yeah. 
which is the only unfortunate thing. But that, but that, then again, that ending is still massively, massively effective, you know. Yeah, and I think it's good how they were able to, you know, through acting and you know the writing as well, because it sits, you know, based on that loosely based, probably you would say, on that first big, you know, serial wave of murders in Korea. It's you can see all that emotion. You can see how everything started to deteriorate. But I'm, you know, it's probably def well, definitely a combination between writing and and acting, where it, it perfectly crosses each other to give this huge outburst of we have no idea what we're doing. This is absolutely terrifying, and everything's going downhill from here. <laughs> Which is, you know, you think that that's a quite a terrifying film to watch, but it's perfectly done. Like um, Rachel, did you say you've seen this one? No, I haven't. I was just thinking, um, do you think he's like, because obviously you can watch movies in prison, you know, go nuts. I wonder if that guy's seen it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I, I think he did see it, but he didn't see it. it, it I, I don't know if he saw it, um, like, when it, like, around when it came out or, like, or when he was caught or anything, or, or, or when they found out that he was the one who did it. I, I, I don't know when, I just know that he did watch it at one point. Awesome. Definitely, but that rubbed his ego. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, serial killers love the ego, don't they? That's that's the point. They they're all about you know the infamous, you know, being infamous, uh, and they find that that's the way that they're going to get attention. So making movies about them is literally like their dream. I mean, if Ted Bundy was alive, he's had so many made about him. He's he'd probably be salivating. Yeah, he's definitely he drives on ego. If you saw what. The amount of things, woo, he'd be ruling the world right now, which is yeah. you know, terrifying. But, but what's kind of like funny as well is that Memories of Murder kind of also acknowledges that like part of the reason why the killer was able to like stay not caught is because he just was so anonymous. Yeah. It's resisting that temptation. Yes, yeah. Especially um, because it was, you know, based on that whole series of murders and stuff whenever you read about the film you're ultimately brought to what actually happened in court cases and stuff Mm. and because of the um anonymous kind of the whole film is very no one actually has any idea who the murderer is that's how perfect it is the the audience members have no inkling really you kind of switch from one person to the next wait hold on maybe they killed all those people and then you know the next scene you're kind of like hold on wait hold on okay it's not confusing it's just very everything is so anonymously done like it was in real life so whenever you connect it to the actual you know court cases and stuff where he uh, I think he killed like a 14 year old girl or something and it was well I just I just did it it, I just acted on impulse. It's, I'm not sure how to explain, but it's like so perfect to mimicking that kind of anonymous, you know, animalistic impulse, but not in a, a blood shattering way. It's not based around, you know, a slasher. He's the Korean version of the Zodiac killer at that point. <laughs> just like, yes, going it's under exactly. the radar. Yes living you know doing his thing just based on impulse yeah like yeah like we, 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 weirdly enough as well um 
like both I saw the devil and memories of murder kind of felt Fincher-esque like they both felt kind of like they were like Korean versions of like David Fincher films but like um I don't know I I saw the devil felt very seven-ish whilst memories of murder felt very zodiac-ish kind of Mm, yeah I found myself making those comparisons yeah definitely had seven vibes man now you say that that clicks yeah i love that that's a good comparison man what's in the box what is in the box <laughs> i'm still sad i didn't get to see her head in that box dude that's so am i i'm so annoyed by that i <laughs> want to see more than anything in cinema gwyneth paltrow's head in a box i mean is that too much to ask is it too much to ask to want to see that lady's head in a box yeah well we do see the head of the first victim who gets killed but um, the head's not in the box but we do see the head of um of the first vi- the first uh, wife the wife character in uh, i saw the devil uh, we do see that you know so yeah i don't know uh, may- 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 maybe kim ji woon watched seven and decided like oh okay well I, we didn't get to see the head so i'm gonna make sure that we when like the wife of the detective is killed at the beginning that we're gonna show the head in and form. actually if i'm correct in saying isn't that not how, spoiler alert, maybe, um, how he dies? Is that yeah. not what happens? The head? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, that's it. Oh, I'd never realized that before. Oh, that's a good connection. Oh, I like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I loved it. It, it. Yeah, I think, like, what's 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 so great about I Saw the Devil is that, like, um, on the one hand, like, taking that ending into account, um, it manages to, like, generate, like, sympathy for its main character, but also show that in some ways he's also kind of a terrible human being um juxtaposing him against the main the 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 killer who sometimes in the film is almost weirdly put into the protagonist role but is the definition of evil and the definition of basically the devil essentially like uh the 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 serial killer that Choi min sik plays um He's, and it's weird as well because in some scenes he's really really cool. He has this like cool vibe in some scenes, but in other, but in every other scene he's just this utterly irredeemable, evil, misogynistic monster who yeah. you kind of get enjoyment out of seeing suffer, and then you kind of go to yourself like, wait a second, is all this suffering actually gonna like do anything or? You know, it, it it just like like that's one of the reasons why the movie is so good because it makes you kind of question your viewpoints all throughout it. I yeah, think what definitely. would have been better is if everyone just got killed by a box. Thus, yes, completing no, that's a film idea. the cycle. No one's head is in the box. We get killed by the box. Old boy box. Seven box. All the other films, box. Done. I'm a directing genius. That's... <laughs> exactly. This is the film that needs to happen now. Just everyone gets killed by a box. A box. It's like that film Rubber where everyone gets killed by the tyre that has telekinetic abilities. And if you think I'm lying, that is a real film. Um, I'm going to make my film. Just oh call it goodness. What's in the Box. Nothing. Yes, <laughs> the box is killing me. Done. Genius. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> That would actually be a good parody. 
Wouldn't that be good? But it's all the different kind of boxes from all the films that we've like mentioned. So like the purple box and stuff and you see them all off in the distance and everyone's like, oh my God. And people like move house. And so they get like boxes that they've bought. Like, you know, you buy those really obnoxious moving house boxes, just use regular ones. But then actually those boxes kill you and you can't trust anything. Just like, and we're going in a ring, the box, the DVD you bought from Amazon will come in that turns out to be the ring dvd done this is perfect what is happening i've made a conspiracy box theory oh my god we need funding for this i know right copyright it now no one can steal our ideas someone's going to listen to this and in like how long does a film take to make five years we get it through hollywood and we're going to watch it and you will all be sitting there and it will come up the box and i'll be like no and then i'll be poor (laughs) and i'll have to infiltrate a rich person's house not unlike Parasite. Bam. Done it. It's full circle. <laughs> Everything's full circle Perfect. today. It's conspiracy theory. Exactly. Robert's just like, what is going on? <laughs> this is not what I signed up for this <laughs> yeah. evening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't expect that. Um. Anyway, but like, but in, and also, but to bring up like, so, so, so to bring up like a couple that are like different in genre as well. Um. Like, so, so I did, but I did watch uh, Bong's prior film to Memories of Murder, which surprisingly enough is actually totally different. Um, it's 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 called uh, Barking Dogs Never Bite, and although it's got like you know it's got some like serious elements, like in the opening scene, uh, the main character basically locks this like dog that's been annoying him in like a closet, you know, to basically just starve to death. So so there is still some like dark stuff in there, but surprisingly enough it's more of like just an outright dark comedy um about this kind of guy's basically he's just inept attempts to like get money and keep his marriage and you know keep himself from like being discovered and you know other things as well like this girl's attempt to like be famous and uh this like weird janitor and this weird homeless guy it's 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 very much it's definitely a pure dark comedy but it was very very funny and it was very, very like creative as well. Like one thing I like about um, a lot of these like Korean films is that they kind of know how to change up the style in appropriate moments. Like they know how to like you like shift the camera work to something else. But whenever they do it, it's always in a sequence where it's appropriate to change up the style. Yeah, it's not like really noticeable or you know clunky or anything. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of what we were saying as well about Parasite, about how they seamlessly transition from talking about this very bleak subject, obviously class wars and stuff like that. And then they just, they were just smoothly put in, you know, a really well-timed comedic action or a joke, you know, and it shifts, it shifts the way you're feeling about characters. It shifts the dynamic and then bang, we're straight back into it again. They do have a real, it's, yeah, they certainly has a skill for that. It's excellent. You find that in a lot as well, which I, I like to expect. I like to expect those little tiny moments of perfectly timed, you know, under the carpet humor where it's not very, you know, flashy and in your face. It's just there and it's peaceful and it's nice. And it gives you a little break from, you know, really harsh tension or quite dark storylines. I found they did it with Battle Royale at points, like even like quite a bleak film such as that. Every now and then there'd be that sort of really weird, subtle joke and you'd be like, oh, oh wait no yeah killing and then you just straight back into a bunch of kids killing each other on an island seamless i mean it's just like real life we laugh we die on an island who knows what will happen next exactly yeah 
But um, speaking of who knows what will happen next, if this is another very smooth transition, I will segue, be very happy. Segway. Um, <laughs> if we kind of sum up everything with maybe some recommendations of lesser known East Asian films so that no one knows what will happen next because maybe we won't have seen the films. That wasn't yeah. as smooth as my last one, but I'm proud. No, of I loved still. it. Don't um, doubt your segues. That was the best one. It was beautiful. Go for it. That was amazing. Be proud. Oh, great. Thank my, you. My one then, I think, will be, it's a Korean film, 2005. Uh, I haven't watched it in years, but, you know, I'm hoping it will hold up if I watched it again recently. It's kind of like a neo-noir gangstery kind of film called A Bit of Sweet Life. Has anyone seen that? Oh, I don't even think I've heard of that before. Yeah, yeah, it was it was brutal, man. It's great fun. Um, uh, Kim Kim Ji Woo. It was directed by, um, and it's just it's just fantastic. You know, it's got those it's got those classic gangster elements. Everyone's wearing suits. He gets buried alive and then survives. There's loads and loads and loads of like great action scenes, violence, and all that fun stuff. And then it's also got a real sort of like hearty storyline, you know. And then the old typical sort of like family revenge and all that fun fun jazz so yeah bittersweet life that's a classic everyone go check that out now and then my film the box because obviously i'm gonna make that (laughs) everyone has to check out the box yeah what about you robert uh, for me, um, it would probably be the like the the, the one that I mentioned before. Uh, I'm a cyborg, but that's okay because like, uh, like I mean, it doesn't. I don't think it gets talked about as much in terms of like Park Chan Wook's like filmography, um, and that's just because it's so different. But um, in reality, I mean, it's although it does like stand out a little bit in his filmography, it's still definitely a very like you know, it's it it's still it's still like not a conventional movie by any means, you know, it's still a very, it's still a very, very weird film. And, you know, that weirdness might be a bit off-putting, but, you know, if you like stick with it, it, would, it definitely turns into another like kind of romance story, another like, you know, kind of film that's about mental illness in a sense, but it's definitely a very like, um, it, it's, it's like, although there's humor in the film, it's not necessarily like mocking or like, you know, judgmental or anything like that it is actually quite empathetic and it kind of yeah it's yeah it's 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 weird but it's very it is again very very sweet i definitely have to check that one out add that to the list as well as of course the fantastic box (laughs) um i'm so dead set on making this happen for 2022 release date i put a date on it now you can't steal my ideas hollywood who's out there trying to steal i know hollywood are listening because they're a generic one person just called hollywood stop stealing my ideas (laughs) we've trademarked them now i have i'm gonna buy some boxes tomorrow i'm ready (laughs) um i'd probably say bedeviled another korean film based again on revenge but it is perfect everything about it it's definitely one of my favorite films ever and i'm very uh exaggerative when it comes to films but i am dead serious when i say it's one of my favorites ever it's you know base is a horror or thriller but you would think that that would come from the extensive amount of blood (laughs) that is shed in this film but it's actually kind of based on the built-up of violence instead 
it's about two hours long, I think, but there's only violence in like the last 20 minutes. It's the really disgusting and disturbing buildup beforehand that would probably class it as a horror. And the characterization's built really high because of this. And I'm a sucker for good characterization. So I I definitely recommend Bedeviled. Yeah, is is it definitely called uh, uh, Bedeviled? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. All right, because because I'm looking up and uh, I don't know if it did when when did it come out? Um, I think it was 2010. Am I oh, okay. Wrong? Right, I because I, I can find one that says it came out in 2016. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've, yeah, I've got it. I've got it. It's, it's bedeviled with two L's. I I, yeah. I I think I should. I think we should point that out as well, so therefore nobody gets confused. Bedeviled two L's. Definitely watch that one, but prepare yourself because it's very very uh, disturbing and disgusting. But, you know, read the synopsis first and decide if you can prepare yourself enough for it because it really is, like, really disturbing. Just a warning there for everyone. But definitely all those films that we talked about, we watched, you know, individually, I think they all have quite a a lot of uh, rewarding properties. So I am very certain that those recommendations will probably be the same as well. I'll definitely give those a watch. And um, I think we there is a lot of, you know, when we talk about East Asian uh, cinema, there's a lot, uh, if you're talking about Hong Kong cinema and everything, I didn't want to talk too much about that. Well, any at all, really, because you can take, um, you know, John Woo or Bruce Lee films and make an entire episode out of it. So hopefully we'll be able to keep that for a different episode. Um, there's so much to un- unpack in Hong Kong cinema. So um, hopefully you'll be able to hear that at some point soon as well. Yeah, I mean, well, well there's a lot to say about like any any genre because there's a lot of movies in them, but you know, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it because of like, you know, um, martial arts and everything, you can unpack, you know, if you have an interest in film and a separate interest in martial arts, you could probably unpack both. I'm doing martial arts moves right now alone in my house. You can't see me, but I'm doing them. I am at one with what we're talking about. I didn't contribute to the conversation then, so I just started doing kung fu alone. That was good. None of you can see me, but I am a black belt in my own room. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> I think, honestly, the, the image of you doing martial arts alone in a room good. is probably the perfect way to end this. It's perfect. I'm glad Just I could like and help the... Uh, yeah, I'm fighting away many cardboard boxes with my amazing karate chop action. Bam. Done. Yes. You're welcome. Perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. So remember, everyone, check out The Box, which will mm. be released next year. 2021, kids, coming to a cinema once they are open near you. Stay safe, wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and thank you all for you. joining me today. Um, and I had so much fun talking about all these films. And I definitely learned a lot more <laughs> from different perspectives and stuff. Um, and I hope that everyone listening also enjoyed us rambling about, you know, imaginary films and also real life films. Um, but that will do us for this episode of the UK Film Review Podcast. And we hope to see you back here very soon for another episode. 
goodbye, everyone. That was like a really sort of nice ending. It was very sweet. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.